All right. Hey, welcome to Bridge Community Church. It's so good to be with you today. Uh, My name is Matt. I am one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm just excited to be with you today. Thanks for choosing to spend your Valentine's Day with us. Hey, I'm excited for you. And okay, and here's okay. So just to give you a little present on Valentine's Day, because you could be spending it other ways, and you know, people at home, whatever. Like, like I just wrote a little poem for you guys, just for you guys, as a present. Is that okay? Can I share my poem? Is that okay with you guys? Okay, right. Just real quick. Um, uh, it's this. Okay. <clears throat> Ro- roses are red. Violets are blue. Church is cheaper than a dinner for two. (laughs) Was that good? Did you like that? I like to laugh. So, okay. Thank you for making me feel good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, I love to laugh. I love cheesy corniness. So I hope that kind of loosened you up a little bit. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day again. But hey, the reality is romantic relationships are everywhere right now. Like they are thrown in your face. The grocery store, the internet. Uh, your job probably, like it's just in your face all the time, everywhere you look and go, it's always in your face. And so it's so interesting because I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about what we're talking about today. And what we oftentimes bring to romantic relationships don't start when the romantic relationship starts. It starts a long time before that. So what I'm thinking is like, okay, so uh, Mary... It, my wife is 34 weeks pregnant, and you look beautiful. Happy Valentine's Day, dear. Uh, and what, like, we went from, you know, if you've ever had a kid, you, you've been like this before. It's like, we're going to have a kid. And then it's like, oh, we're going to have a kid. Like, oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? Like, so, so there's a lot of, of, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's called pressure, called unknowns, just things that you're, that you need to, to address and deal with when you're having a kid. And so I decided, because I don't really know how to be a dad, I'd read a book about being a dad. So uh, I've, read, I've been reading this book about being a father. And what I'm learning in this book is really actually interesting. Developmentally, we have what's called foundational relationships in our life. And the three most key foundational relationships in your life was the relationship that you had, the child and father relationship, the relationship you had with your father. The second most foundational, developmentally speaking, foundational relationship that you had in your life is the one with your mother. And the third most foundational relationship that you have in your life is the one with your family, siblings and brothers, sisters, cousins, however you want to see that. But that, those three relationships shape so much in our life. It, they shape the way that we view others, the opposite gender, the, our view of things, how we handle stress, how we view money. Everything is, is related to our foundational relationships. And today we're going to translate that and work a little bit into that of what God is sharing about what we can do because of our relationship with God. So my main point is this. Throw my main point up there, Trent. It's this. You, who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. That's my, if you walk away with nothing else today, that's what I want you to walk away with today. Who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. And so these physical relationships foundationally shape our spiritual view of God. And you might be sitting here and you're like, I don't know about that, Matt. Check it out. There's this quote from J.I. Packer says this. He's a theologian. 
And he says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his whole outlook on life, he does not understand Christianity very well. So the key, how we view God determines how we do what we do. And how we do what we do is a direct result of how we view God. Let that settle in for just two seconds. Because the majority of our problems in life, although they may be triggered by somebody else, touch on something in our life that is maybe an insecurity that we have. And it's probably stemming from whether you're not viewing yourself correctly or you're not viewing God correctly. And so today, I don't want to just say, God's a loving father, let's sing who you say I am, smile and go home. Like that's, I don't want to do that because it's so much deeper than that. It's so much more than that. And we have to actually reverse engineer today. And if you're, I'll have this awesome illustration in a couple minutes, but if you see something, these foundational family building blocks, if you see something that you're not like, that you're like, okay, I don't have that. Why don't I have that thing in my life? It might be because of something that happened or a view of God that needs to be shifted. Christians, non-Christians, this applies to everybody. So here we go. We're going to dive in today. Can I pray? I think we're going to go somewhere today. We're going to do some heart surgery. God's going to do some heart surgery. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for what you're going to do. Do some heart surgery today on Valentine's Day. Amen. Here's Here's the first point. Put God in the picture. We left off last week. Uh, Andy loved, I loved Andy's message. Man, I, I would buy Christianity. I would buy the Holy Spirit for three easy payments in 1999. If you, if you saw last week's sermon, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, so he talked about what it means to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the identity that he gives us because he's on the inside of us and the power that we have because he's on the inside of us. So I'm going to pick up at verse 11, one of the verses that Andy's talked about. Uh, last week, and it says this, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Whoa. That's a big deal. We, I read that quick, but that's a big deal. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So therefore, it's more than just singing some worship songs, hearing a good message, and going home. Like, there is more to Christianity than that. Continuing on, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And that's so interesting that he said that. He will give life to your mortal bodies. You know, we look at like the audience of Romans, Romans and Jewish and Gentiles and all that stuff. Everyone he was talking to was alive. We can say that. (laughs) And it still happens. But he says something interesting. He will give life to your mortal bodies. What? I'm al- What does that mean? He's talking about a life that's deeper than being alive. And this life that we have is, is due and because of the foundational relationship that we have with Jesus, the, the relationship that we have with God. It's this, we, we say this term in church, resurrection life. It's this life that's not just being alive, it's being fully alive. And it's, and it's so cool. And Andy talked about it last week being in the, in the Holy Spirit. But it's so cool because if you get the who you are in Christ right, you will live a deeper life than just being alive. 
Because who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. And so, continuing on, this is verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So basically, your mindset doesn't have to be, I'm just going to mess up eventually, so whatever. For you, if you live by its dictates, NIV says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's a big deal. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So Paul's talking to both Christians and unchristians here. But he's saying something, this like distinction he's making of living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. And so I think we oftentimes read this, Christian, non-Christian, and we think, well, I'm not 100% like good. Like, you know, I still mess up sometimes. So does, does that mean I live in the flesh or am I in the Spirit? What he means by that? living in the spirit and he oh this is so good don't don't miss this he the word there is that he's using there is sark so he uses paul uses this word flesh a couple different ways and this is important so don't tune out this is really important he uses it in terms of the physical body he uses it in terms of making a distinction between us and god sometimes he uses it in sexual desires the flesh but this time he's using it and it's so interesting of the the a condition, being in the flesh, a condition natural to people in which God and the spiritual realm are left out of the account. That's real for everybody here. Because so many times in our life, it's not a decision of, okay, you know, even as seasoned Christians, we're not going to walk into a decision or face a decision and say, should I sin or should I not sin? Like, we're obviously going to decide to not sin. Like, that's just natural. Like, we don't want to sin. It's, we want to please God. But it's, it's so interesting. He says, no, 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 no. You actually, it's not do I sin or do I not sin. It's do I allow God to be in this or do I just leave him out? And that's where we all live in some way. Do we, do we allow God into the equation or do we leave him out? Because if you're going to be spirit-led, you have to put God in the picture. And, I mean, let's be real, like, if we decide, like, we all learned this summer from the Tiger King documentary that tigers do eventually what tigers do. They'll eat you. <laughs> They'll eat your arm for a snack. Like, we learned that. <laughs> if we allow sin, if we allow, like, God to be out of the picture, it's, he says it, it's going to lead to death. Like, it's obvious. Tigers do what tigers do. Sin does what sin does. It's going to lead to death. And, and so uh, it's so interesting because we don't have to live like that. And, and it's so interesting here too, but we leave God out of the picture. Why do we leave God out of the picture? Because we think that being in Christ sometimes might not be a safe spot. It might be a little unpredictable. It might be a little out of my control zone and definitely out of my comfort zone. 13b says this, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So you can't do this on your own. And if you bring God into the, 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 the picture, you will live in safety. Can I get my first, my first, uh, my first illustration? This, these are the foundational building blocks of a healthy family. Okay, so there's going to be six of them. The first is safety. This is the foundation, one of the foundational building blocks of a healthy family relationship. And this, what is safety? Safety is, I am not going to go anywhere. 
I'm not going to move. We're not in financial distress. Mom and dad are uh, in a good spot of their relationship. I feel safe at my house. It's the confidence to, and the freedom to live, right? That's what safety is. But so many times, um, even in safety, safety doesn't necessarily mean predictability. And in our relationship with God, if we get this right, safety, then he can give us more things. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But he can give us more things. But we have to see God as safe. We have to invite him into the situation. And so that's, that's the first building block of a healthy, healthy family relationship. Who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. Point number two. Figure out your father figure. Point number two. Figure out. Trent, help me out. Point two. Figure out your father figure. And so in the... I'm going to do an illustration here. God, it's, the Bible says God's our father, right? I need you to close your eyes, okay? Everybody close your eyes. If you already had them closed, I won't judge you. <laughs> close your eyes. I need you to think of a pink polka dot elephant. Pink polka dot elephant. That's what you're thinking of, okay? All right, now open your eyes, please. <laughs> open your eyes. Okay, here's what I thought when I thought of the, the pink polka dotted elephant. That's kind of what I thought. Um, is that kind of what you thought? I don't know. Like, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. No, we, here's, the, here's the point of that illustration. That, what I thought, was different than what you thought. So whenever we say Father God, my definition or my view of what a Father God is, is different from how you view Father God. And how you view what a father is because of your earthly father or maybe because of something else that happened in your life. But we all have biases that we bring into our relationship with God because of how we are raised, because of how we're developed. And so let's continue. Um, 14 says this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So this isn't a led to do things by the spirit of God. It's simply having the spirit of God in you. That's what led by the Spirit means. And so it's so interesting because verse 1 out of, on 8, there's no, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But what the devil tries to do, who knows your past and knows your present, is speak condemnation. But what God tries to do, who knows your past and your present and your future, says, I love you no matter what. I, there's no condemnation for you and me. So this is the next, this is the next point. Hit, hit, me, hit me with that next one. So now we're, we're feeling safe in our relationship with God. God's not going anywhere. Even if, if there's a fork or if there's a change in the road, that's okay. Yep, that's perfect. Thank you. Right there. That, that, that's, 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 that's good. But here's the next building block of a healthy family relationship is security. Security is, what's the difference of safety and security? Safety is, I feel freedom to live. Security is, it's okay when I fall apart. And that's a big difference. Because these are two very different things. I'm going to have a roof over my head. And it's okay if I mess up. And so many times in our life, it's really like, like we could have had these things in a relationship with our parents. And that's good. But Here's the deal. One of these six things is going to probably mess with you a little bit, like it did with me. 
It's, it might touch on something that, that, is, that might be a little insecurity, or it might touch on something that, that really wasn't a complete picture of how your foundational relationship with your family was, and it really might mess with you. So maybe that's security for you. Maybe you're saying here today, and you're like, well, uh, you know, like, I had to have everything together. Like, when I went home and came home and did my thing, I had to have my life together. Like, and so many times we think in our relationship with God, we actually have to have everything together. And God is saying, no, because you're my child. Like, you don't have to be put together to be my child. You don't have to be anything to be secure in Jesus. Jesus says, I'll, say, I'll accept you for who you are. For if the Spirit's in you, then you're my child. That's it. That's simple. That's security. That's safety. And so um, continuing on, verse 15, God, um, so, so, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That's a very important verse because God isn't looking down at you and saying, calling you slave or worker. He, and bring my third box up. He's not calling you slave or worker. He's not saying, you know, if you do something, then, then I'll, I'll love you. If you work for me, I'll love you. My third box is love. And that's simply this. It's simply being seen and known. And so many times in our life, in our relationship with maybe our, our family, this was, this was skewed. Like, maybe it was like this. Like, like, okay, it was like this. Like, okay, I have a roof over your head, and mom will take care of you when you cry. That's love. That's, that's, that's absence. And maybe it was maybe more like this. Like, uh, see, like, yeah, like this. What is that, security? Yeah, security, yep. Maybe it was, okay, I'll take care of you, and I'll sacrifice for you, but we're going to hustle in this house. I know you're 10, but you got to work because, because, because I'm working from paycheck to paycheck, and so you got to be able to say, this, this is the most important thing in, in our life, in our family. This is not a, a healthy dynamic. And so many times it's, it's, it's kind of like that, or maybe it's even... Uh, like, like safety and, and love and just build it for yourself. Safety and love equals security. And like, if I have a house, a roof over your head or whatever, that means that you're secure. And so many times in our life, because our relationship with our family wasn't good, we view God in that same way. But who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. Like maybe that was some of those things kind of touched on something that was like, yeah, that was kind of me growing up. Then maybe your view, let me just submit to you that your view of God might be something similar. But, but here's the deal. He sees us as seen. He sees us as accepted. He, he sacrificed for us. He cares for us. He, he wants us to be with him. 15b, let's continue. Instead, instead, you receive God's spirit. Hit me with that next slide. You receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. That's a big deal. So for us, that means something different than what it actually meant back then. In Greek, it means you receive the spirit of adoption. And to the Roman audience, they were like, what? Because when you were adopted into a family, you had the same rights as birth people, as birth children. 
And it was so weird because like they would actually have people that they wanted to get their inheritance. They just adopt them as their son. Like it was like this weird thing, but it was like, Hey, you're one of mine. And, 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 and when you are adopted as my child, you get good things. Hit me with that next, that next box. You get really good things because, and and it's so true, even spiritually, when you can have everything that God offers, inheritance, you can have everything that God offers. Oh, I messed this up. Did I mess this up? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was my bad. No, that was good. Uh, you did the right thing. Inheritance. I can have everything that God offers because in him I'm safe, in him I'm loved. And if we spiritually as Christians walk in that, we can actually have everything that he wants us to have. That means we can offer forgiveness because he forgave us. That means that, that we can walk in purity because he made us pure. That means that, that we, can, we can give to others because he gave to us. We can actually sacrifice ourselves and lay down our own preferences because he did that to us. And it's this awesome thing where, wow, we are part of God's family. Like we get good things as a part of God's family. It's so interesting. It's so cool. But because here's the deal. Who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. And it's so funny because I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the musical um, Annie. Have you guys heard of that musical? Annie, right? Not on me if you have yet. Yeah. If you know the story, uh, it's kind of cool. And you kind of know where I'm going with this if you, if you know the, the musical where Annie was an orphan, right? And she gets adopted by this really well-off family. And it, it had nothing—the beauty of it, the end of the story was, like, she's, she has no idea who her parents are, but she's— loved by this adopted family who has so many good things for her and it's just so loving and it's so cool because she has this and she didn't do anything to earn it she she wasn't nicer than anyone else it was just the fact that their parents annie's adopted parents decided that that's the one and that's what god is doing for you he said you're mine and you get to live in safety, and I love you. And you get to have everything that I have. You get to have the Holy Spirit, which is God inside of you. Like, I love you so much that you can have me. That's what inheritance is. And you get to have all the things that, 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 that a good family would have. So the, 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 the third part of that verse there is awesome. Now we call him Abba, Father. What does Abba mean? It's an Aramaic word, but it just illustrates this. If you're a parent, like the first time that you're holding your kid and they said, Dada or Mama, Abba, that's what it means, Abba. And you're holding your kid and you're like, I would do anything for this child. I love this child to death. Like, This is mine. He or she is my child. And there's nothing that that child did. They didn't do anything to deserve that. But he just, they just called you theirs. And that's the intimate relationship that Jesus wants with each one of us. That third box, or the fourth box, fifth box, whatever it is. Bring it up. And 
and we get to, we don't have to call them that necessarily, but our souls are on an intimate level with God. I need you to hear that because I feel right now that this is the thing that's skewed for, I don't know if it's just the people in this room or on the live stream, but this is the thing that security is maybe a little messed up in your home and you felt like you needed to provide or you felt like you needed to be somebody. And yeah, you felt loved by your parents, but not like I can just tell them anything. Not that I can just be real and still be loved. This is Abba. This is intimacy. This is just being you with God. And so many times in your life, man, how how much do we need that? But yet as Christians, we think that what we do messes this up. And God's saying, you're mine. You're my child. There's nothing you can do that messes this up. There's nothing that you can do that's like going to make me want to be less intimate and less open and less give you less security or less love. I love you more than anything. You're mine. And that's the beauty of this. Intimacy. Abba. He's your Abba father. He's your, he's not your, this, so check this out what he's not saying. He didn't say king. He didn't say captain or Sir or master, he said, Abba. Abba. It's not anything different than what he wants for you. He just wants to be with you. That's it. And I take a somber tone on that because I recognize the need for all of us right now. And maybe it's just the Northeast. I feel like that's, that's lacking. And maybe I've lived in the West Pennsylvania and East Pennsylvania and this is the thing that I've noticed the most lacking here. And I'm not, point, I'm not pinpointing anybody. Don't feel like I'm calling you out. But I think that we need to be real in this one. Parents, it's okay. They're, your kid isn't going to love you less, and it's not weird to have this. Children, it's okay to be like this with your parents. That's okay. And so we move on. Abba, Father, we move on. To my final point, Christ gives confidence. That's point number three. Christ gives confidence. Verse 16. For his spirit, throw that verse up. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. This is heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. But if we are to share his glory, you must also share his suffering. What is a co-heir with Christ? It means we are no longer orphans. We are sons and daughters. We don't have to have confidence in what we do. We just have to have confidence in our position in Christ. That's it. Christ gives confidence. It's not what we can do, but it's who we are in Jesus Christ. Give me that last box. This is everything. This is who we are in God. God gives us, because we are his sons and daughters, he gives us our identity. This is everything. When you have a healthy relationship with Jesus, this is what it looks like. This is what you get. And and if you view God 
in a certain way, reverse engineer. What is the one thing in my life that I feel like is missing? And let me just train that thought with you is that that's probably going to be the thing that you had less of and now you're viewing God that same way. And probably you give less of it out because of all of this. But, but we have to go back to Abba because he's going to give us this. He's going to give us our identity. He, and it's not based on what we, what we do. It's not based on overworking. It's not based on, on being okay all the time. It's based on only the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. And he calls you his own. That's it. That's it. And he's saying, hey, hey, I want to be with you. I want you to be my child. Just look at the things that I can give you. Look at what it looks like to be a part of my family. Co-heirs with Christ. Worship team. Co-heirs with Christ. I give you everything that, I need, that you need in who I am. And it's so interesting. Who we are in Christ determines how we live our life. I love this quote. It's precisely the things that are the most precious in your life which the enemy will try to make the most common. That, you might have thought, wow, Matt, that, that was a build up for a knot a lot. I've heard this before. No, check yourself. Because if this is common, then the, the enemy might have made it that way. It's the most precious things that the enemy wants to make the most common. I love this, 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 uh, this quote. This next quote is from a book of Mark Batterson. And he said this about identity. Abraham thought he was too old. Jeremiah thought he was too young. Moses thought he was unqualified. Joseph thought he was overqualified. Gideon had an inferiority complex. Jonah had a superiority complex. Peter made too many mistakes. Nathaniel was too cool for school. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And King David was the runt of the litter. None of that matters. Who you are is not the issue. What really matters is whose you are. If anyone is in Christ and the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are the apple of God's eye. You are God's workmanship. You are more than a conqueror. And nothing can change that. It is what it is. It's who you are. So take a look at these boxes and throw those two reflection questions up on the screen. Take a look at these boxes here. Which one of these things did I not have as much of in my life that has shaped the way I view God? And which one of these things do I not give to others well because it wasn't given to me well? Who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. Who you are in Christ, how you see yourself, how you see God determines everything. It determines everything. Who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. And so we're about to sing this song, uh, No Longer Slaves, love this song. But here's the chorus, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And can I submit to you maybe for you in your life, you can sing it as, I'm no longer a slave to my old view of God. 
I'm no longer a slave to God with one of these out of the picture. I'm no longer a slave to that. I am a child of God. So I can be everything that he's called me to be because of who he is but and not because of who I am. But it goes back to point one, put God in the picture. If we're not putting God in the picture, then we can't experience this to the full extent that it needs to be. We, we got to put God in our picture. Because also, if you don't put God in the picture, then he can't give you the life that he wants for you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I've never put God in the picture. I don't, I don't have a relationship with God. Today's the day, and during this worship song, talk to him and say, God, I want you in my picture. Or maybe today you're a Christian, and you say that first thing you're talking about, Matt, when you're saying, um, you're talking about how I leave God out of the picture sometimes, or I just leave him out of my equation, and I don't want to do that anymore. Maybe as we're singing this next song, maybe this is just a coming home moment. You're saying, God, I, I need to experience this again, all of this, and I haven't. It's time to put God back in the picture because who you are in Christ determines how you live your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are, for being so good to us. God, we put you back in our life. We put you back in our picture. No matter what we face today, God, we know that you have restored relationship with us. God, we we give you all the praise today knowing that you are the one who conquered it all. You are the one who wants to have a relationship with us. So God, we give you glory. We give you praise. We declare today that we are your children. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. In your name we pray, amen. So we're gonna go into this time of worship. You can feel free to stand, sit, whatever you wanna do to reflect and spend time with Jesus.